Thanks for connecting with us again on the Tennessee Trucking Association podcast as we continue our series covering the TTA's Call on Washington. Hi, I'm Greg Thompson of MissingWordSolutions.com. In this segment, we'll be talking with Dave Manning, the president of TCW, which is headquartered in Nashville. 2017 is a big year for Dave as he'll become the chairman of the American Trucking Associations this October. In talking with Dave for this edition of the TTA podcast, one of my takeaways was his depth of knowledge on the issues and his perspective on meeting the challenges ahead, like dealing with the nation's infrastructure needs. We started the conversation with Dave by talking about what it means to make the trip to Washington with the many hats that he wears these days. So a little bit of the flavor of this is from APA's perspective. My involvement with the American Trucking Association you know, and Tennessee Trucking, I kind of see it from both sides. From an American Trucking Association side, obviously they've got lobbyists that visit legislators on a regular basis, but to have the actual constituents come in and talk to them about topics that are of immediate interest, we focused on issues that are expected to be voted on over the next several months, it just helps the lobbying effort at APA. So from a, from a carrier's perspective, TCW's perspective and from the Tennessee trucking perspective, it's an opportunity for us to be able to talk to our legislators about the pressing issues that are facing the industry. Dave, I know that you guys have to narrow your focus down a little bit when you go up to Washington. So what were the three areas that you focused on in particular during this visit? Three main topics. We were talking about the federal preemption that's contained in the F4A language that basically says that states like California, which has just recently done this, can't pass laws that affect interstate commerce. That it's important from a trucking perspective to have routine laws that are continuous throughout, particularly the 48 contiguous states, so that you don't have separate rules in California and Nevada and Arizona. You would never be able to move interstate commerce if each state could enact laws that you had to follow as a motor carrier that was different than the federal laws that were in place for hours of service and issues like that. And so recently in California, they have a meal rest break requirement that is more stringent than the federal requirement. Basically, it would require a trucker to have two periods of 30-minute rest for meals in an 11-hour driving cycle, which is a federally mandated driving cycle for a day. So federal regulations only require one, California requires two. The Ninth Circuit ruled that this preemptive language that was in F4A didn't apply. And so basically we want them to strengthen that language to make it clear that it does apply and that it's important for interstate commerce that when the federal regulations exist, that states can pile on top of those or alter those federal regulations. That's a key issue. It's contained in the appropriations bills. We wanted our legislators to know that it's important to us and that we would like for them to support that. Second issue is tax reform. That and infrastructure sort of tie together. And we believe, ATA believes, that over the next four or five months, that those are the next two items on the agenda of the House and the Senate to come up with solutions for tax reform. And, and a lot of that reform, it's not a tax reduction, so to speak, and it would be revenue neutral. But corporate tax rates are high, particularly in trucking, relative to other industries. We think there ought to be an equalization of that. And then I think that there's still an attempt on the federal level to work on this repatriation of funds, find a way to deal with tax rates that will get some of that money that's being held overseas back into this country. And that would help go towards funding this president's 
trillion dollar infrastructure bill that he wants to get through. So we explained the issues about tax and how there's inequity and how trucking is taxed relative to other industries, particularly the rail industry. And then infrastructure, we talked about the importance of infrastructure. That's our workplace and that it is becoming more congested. There's a cost to doing nothing. Everybody talks about the cost of raising the gas or diesel tax and the consequences. Well, there's a cost to everybody today for doing nothing. Cost of congestion, cost of maintenance on vehicles and safety. We tried to emphasize those points. When you talk about raising the gas and diesel tax, conservative, particularly Republicans, have an issue with that. And we're trying to make it clear to them that it's not conservative to continue to borrow from the federal deficit to fund highways. That's what's happening today. The Highway Trust Fund doesn't have enough money in it to even meet current levels of funding, which means that we're basically borrowing from the Chinese to fix our roads. And that's not a conservative approach. It's not a good long-term approach. So we're trying to make sure that it was cast in the right light, that everybody agreed there's a need. Now we need to just find the funding mechanism. We think there's multiple mechanisms that are needed to fund the trillion-dollar, 10-year infrastructure plan. Whether you are a driver or anywhere in between driving and all the way through the executive suite, the fact that, as you said, the roads are congested, we are looking at just road repair and not moving anything forward, and there's just a huge need. There's been studies on congestion, and I guess you brought it up a couple moments ago. It's kind of like the old commercial. You can pay me now or pay me later and I guess that was probably one of the Absolutely. points that was probably one of Absolutely. the points that you guys were making wasn't it? So there's a couple of facts that we were able to share with them. One is the congestion cost the trucking industry $50 billion a year with a B, $50 billion a year well obviously that gets passed on to consumers. Also another way of looking at congestion from a trucking perspective is you know we're facing a driver shortage predicted to be 180000 or so over the next 6-8 years. This congestion, these drivers sitting in traffic is the equivalent of 250,000 drivers sitting idle for a year. Those are real facts that are consequential to us today if we don't do anything at all. One of the other facts, American Trucking Association has an infrastructure task force that it's established because we got to look at additional funding mechanisms other than the gas and diesel tax because they've been non-starters over the last several years. We still think they're best because of the low administrative costs. But we started looking at other funding mechanisms and some of the information they've put together is that the average cost of repairs to a motorist is about $550 a year due to road damage that occurs to their vehicle because of current road conditions. While a 10 cent a gallon increase gas tax would only be about $50 a year to that same motorist. So big disproportionate cost between the cost of being proactive and the cost of doing nothing and continuing just to pay for repairs. And remind everybody about how long it's been since the tax has been raised on fuel because I think it was what 19 1993, so it's been... 1993, that's right. So you've lost a third or, or more of the purchasing power. Nobody can operate on $1993 in 2017. What opponents to increase, and one of the things they like to talk about is that, well, there's all these electric and hybrids and fuel economies better. That's not what's causing the problem with the funding mechanism. The problem is we haven't increased with the rate of inflation. You've lost a third or 40% of the purchasing power of those dollars. That's the reason that the Highway Trust Fund is insolvent, not because of these other factors. We'd like to point out that cars and trucks don't necessarily need to be painted with the same brush when you think about taxes, fuel taxes, paying for this increase. But for diesel, there aren't a lot 
lot of alternative fuels. Propane, natural gas is taxed. There's not electric vehicles on the road from a freight standpoint that are not paying their fair share. Cars, there are some, and, and that needs to be addressed, but that's more of a 20 or 25 year solution, not the next 10 year solution, but it's easy to put a registration fee on those vehicles and recoup that money that way. Mechanisms that are already in place so that you don't have this huge administrative cost. Some of the other alternatives that are floated are tolls and vehicle mileage tax. Tolls have about a 25% administrative cost to them. Diesel tax and gas tax have a 1% administrative cost to them. If you talk about vehicle miles tax, that's more like 30 to 35% administrative tax. That means you got to collect money from every single vehicle in the country. And right now, the gas and diesel taxes is the best way to do that. Maybe there are some registration fees that could be applied to these alternative fuel vehicles. But short term, that's a really good solution. How important is it to have FaceTime with folks from Senator Corker's office, Senator Alexander's office, and the other people that you met with in D.C.? Because it's one thing to, say, send emails and do, let's say, political action stuff at a distance, but to have FaceTime. Talk to me about that a little bit. Yes, I think there's a couple of things. One is that it's good for them to get to know you. That's sort of happened now over the years. We've developed some personal relationships with the staff of these senators and congressmen as well as the representatives themselves. And so it's always important for them to have seen you over a long period of time, right? So you just haven't shown up today making a specific request, and that's the first and last time that they saw you. So I think the continuity of being in front of them over a number of years helps us be able to have credibility and for them to listen to our message. And then the second thing that I think that happens is that while they know the issue at a high level, many times we can add color to it that they've never thought of or that they weren't aware of that helps them understand why it's so important to us, going back to those congestion numbers that we were talking about earlier. They don't necessarily know it from that perspective, and so that helps them to be able to put it in a better perspective when they get the color from us, and that can only come by sitting there and having some dialogue with them. And they're able to see the downstream effects like we were just talking about because something that people recognize, congestion is a problem, but until you put some numbers and some experiential anecdotal pieces, it really really doesn't connect. This whole current situation of our funding gets the attention of conservatives, right? So I mean, conservative Republicans have been a challenge in getting additional revenue raised, right? But when you start putting this in the perspective that basically we're borrowing from the Chinese to pay for our roads today, even conservatives don't think that's a smart long-term strategy, right? And that's the reality of what's happening today. As long as we take it out of the general funds, we don't have enough general funds to go around to begin with, so we're borrowing. We're operating at a deficit anyway, and as long as we continue to take part of that deficit spending and apply it to our roads, it's financing it by whoever will buy our bonds, right? I think that helps resonate with a conservative, that that's probably not a very conservative approach long-term. Exactly. Not a long-term solution in the fact that really that borrowing that's taking place, if I'm correct, what's happening these days is we're not seeing road expansion, those types of initiatives. This is really kind of money to put in the federal fund to match the states to kind of patch the roads and do some basic upkeep. And even that's falling behind in a lot of states and a lot of areas in the country. No, you're 100% accurate. We're underfunding it to begin with, and it really doesn't allow for additional capacity. It's only maintenance, and you can see that, particularly when you think about bridges, we're deficient 
and the maintenance of our bridges, that's a safety issue. Sure, and take one example, and I know it wasn't something that's crumbling infrastructure, but just a small fire there in Atlanta turned into a huge thing and burned out right. a major bridge, and that's just one example. The Minneapolis Bridge situation a few years ago, the bridge appeared to be in pretty good shape, and then next day it falls down, and I'm not trying to say the sky's falling, but you guys know that this is a very serious issue. It's going to require a long-term strategy, and the fact that you're able to get out in front of people People. It's certainly a big thing for TTA and ATA and everybody in the trucking industry. Another important reason for the Highway Trust Fund, for the designated funding for roads, is that it is a long-term funding solution. In Tennessee's case, even from a surplus, if you just take it on an annual basis, there's no guarantee of that year over year. And so these projects are four, five, ten-year projects, and it's sort of risky for TDOT or DOT to count that money for the long term when it's a one-year funding solution. You need that long-term funding solution so that with confidence they can start projects and know that the funding is going to be in place three, four, five, ten years from now to pay for that. Obviously, there's going to need to be a change in the dynamic in terms of the way that legislators look at, say, infrastructure and these other issues you're talking about. And some things are going to require funding. Some things are going to require potentially even taxes. What do you think is going to have to happen to make the change in the dynamic? go back to the federal level, one thing that our legislators like to talk about is let's just devolve the responsibility of the roads to the states. Constitutionally, one of the things our federal government's responsible for is infrastructure and for national defense. It's just a reminder of what our responsibilities are. Quit looking for the easy way out. One thing that we point out to them when we talk about devolving it to the states is state like Tennessee might be able to handle that, but you certainly can't do that in Wyoming or probably even Arkansas. States that are less traveled don't have the ability to charge enough for the miles that are traveled on their roads. It really does need to be a national solution when you think about the interstate system. There has to continue to be an education of the particularly conservative Republicans that all government spending is not bad and that while we all would like to see smaller government, we all would like to operate within our means, have a balanced budget, there's got to be a reasonable approach to get to that point. We can't get there cold turkey, you know, there's got to be a measured step step-by-step approach to get there. And as we said earlier, you pay me now or pay me later, and paying you later can cost a lot more. Well, that's the part that they're ignoring in all this. I believe, particularly in the motorist point of view, that what they would pay in would be far less than the cost that they have for repair and safety, and if they value their time at all, the congestion that they have to deal with today. I know this year is a big year for you. This is one trip to Washington. I know you're the incoming chairman of the ATA here in October. It sounds like infrastructure is going to be one of those things that you're going to be looking at as ATA chairman. And tell me a little bit about this year ahead, how you're looking at it, and how you've prepared for it. Fortunately, I've grown up in trucking all my life, so I think that helps prepare you for understanding how the issues affect companies and what's important to companies and being able to try to translate that to the different individuals that we have an opportunity to, to talk to through the American Trucking Association. My agenda for ATA would be whatever ATA's agenda is. One of the things we try to do over the 
last several years. There's about a seven-year commitment to do the chairmanship. You spend a lot of years as a vice chair listening and learning and working your way. Part of the reason we do that is so that there's not immediate changes just because chairmen's change. ATA is on a path. We've got a great leader in Chris Spear. And so my goal is to support Chris and what he thinks is important and what he thinks can be done. And literally, ATA staff are the ones that have sort of identified these three topics that we dealt with. They think they are the next ones up, the ones that are timely to be discussed. And that can always change from one month to the next. But my goal is just to support Chris and his initiatives. And we have a laundry list of issues that face our industry. Different times, you have opportunities to address different issues. And so it's just at that particular time recognizing what's the issue that we can most impact today. I'll just will continue to try to do that. Last question. You mentioned earlier that you go on a path in terms of progressing to become chairman of ATA. And over those years, what have you learned from being in that system and what have you learned from others? The one thing that has really stood out to me is the great people that make up our industry. I mean, trucking is a people industry. And one of the things that you have an opportunity to do in those various chairs is to speak to a lot of different groups, a lot of state trucking associations. The APA uses a lot of coalitions to support our issues, and we get to talk to those coalition partners of ours. You just find out that there are a lot of really good people that work really hard to move America's goods and leaves you with a sense of pride of having a chance to work with those folks to try to address problems that we've had on our wish list for a long time, but the time just happens to be right to deal with at that point in time. Once again, we want to thank Dave Manning for joining us on the Tennessee Trucking Association podcast, and we also want to take this opportunity to thank you for spending your time with us. You can hear more segments in this series by staying right here with us. If you'd like to come back to the podcast, the full catalog of offerings in this series, as well as other TTA podcast recordings, will be available on the TTA website, tntrucking.org. I would also encourage you to visit tntrucking.org to find out the latest happenings with TTA and how you can get involved in the organization. TNTrucking.org is a great resource for anyone involved in trucking within the state of Tennessee. If you'd like to hear or read any of my other work, please visit my website, missingwordsolutions.com. Once again, we appreciate your time and lending an ear to the Tennessee Trucking Association podcast. Keep listening and let's keep safety first with every mile.